In this episode of Year One, we speak to Zoe Share from Daddy's Digest. Zoe talks passionately about a journey from teacher to entrepreneur, raising a family, growing a business, remaining grounded, and serving something bigger than herself. And on this episode, she makes a prediction that she's going to be on Dragon's Dead. Listen, you enjoy it, you will love it. Welcome to Year One, hosted by me, Dio Klopis, and my good friend, Satish Bala. On Year One, we speak to early stage founders, business owners, and entrepreneurs about the highs and lows of the early years, the challenges and rewards, and everything else in between. So, without any further ado, let's get into this week's conversation. So, Zoe, the very first question that we always ask on this podcast is, why entrepreneurship? What was that moment in your life that you said, you know what? I'm not going to permanently employ. Well, I'm getting out of permanent employment, and this is the route that I'm going to follow. So I was a school teacher to start. I taught kindergarten, and I was very unhappy. Not because I don't love children or education, but the the medium is the message. Being in the classroom and teaching day after day was not the right fit for me. And I would look forward to going to the photocopy room and photocopying papers. And I knew that was not a very good sign. I really did want to move the needle in terms of education and helping children, but I was miserable. I would sleep talk the ABCs and my husband would have to wake me up and say, you're not teaching right now, Zoe, you're sleeping. It just, it took over and not in a good way. So I decided to go to business school because I thought to myself, oh, I'll start a tutoring company because that's what teachers who don't want to teach in the classroom do. <laughs> I'll start a company, but I should go to business school to learn how to start a company because I'm an English major with a teaching degree. And I'm not really very confident in a business mind. So I did that. I went to do my master's of business entrepreneurship and technology at the University of Waterloo. And my whole life changed from there. Wow. I just wanted to quick follow up on that because I... I have a love affair and also equally a hatred for school, not because of learning, but the model. And most entrepreneurs I speak to, we have a common sort of love of re-education. In your case, you went to school to become a teacher. I think that's a four-year, five-year commitment or something like that. And then we come out and then most of us feel like, well, I spent four to five years. Let me just keep pivoting in that same ecosystem because I already spent four to five years trying to become this person. And they're like, no, that was fun. I'll park it. I'm going to do something different and do something different. What was that transition like? Did you feel like an imposter? Was there like a regret on the money spent? What was that? Because a lot of us can't let go of whatever that thing is that can't be named. So we get stuck in the loop. I think letting go has become now a theme of my reinvention journey. And I hope I continue to do it because that's I'm happier and happier with who I am. But the answer to the question was that I was very ashamed. My identity was all wrapped up in being a teacher. I had taught swimming lessons for years, tutored. I worked at three different tutoring companies through university. I volunteered all these different schools. I hustled to become, to get that teaching job in the first place was hard. And to be so unhappy, I, I was ashamed because teaching in my mind was a good thing to do with your life. And it was a noble thing. And it might've been a bit of a thankless thing, but it was something that was always going to be needed. And there was always going to be good that you could do. And I had it on a pedestal. So 
when I went to business school, I would talk with my head down a lot and I'd be like, yeah, I was a teacher and now I'm here. And we actually had a coach come into the business program to help us with our pitches or whatever. And he said, as soon as you say that you were a teacher, your head goes down. What's going on there? He called me out on it and I had to sort of do some exploration or I chose to do some exploration into why I was so upset. And I think it was the years of education gone to waste. But as I went on my journey, I realized how useful my teacher education was in terms of helping to expand people's mindsets. And, and then I started a marketing agency. So Zoe, you went from this teacher that suffered a little bit from imposter syndrome that didn't feel that she really could enter this world of entrepreneurship. And then you go out and you become a serial entrepreneur. You've got three organizations or companies. You've got Schmooze Media, you've got the Brand Voice Magazine, and you've also got Daddy's Digest. Now, what I'd like to do is, I mean, I would actually like to focus, being this year one, we'd like to focus on your most recent yeah. endeavors. So you've got Daddy's Digest. So do you want to take 30 seconds and do the elevator pitch. What is, what is Daddy's Digest all about? The bar talk. The bar talk. There you oh, go. So daddysdigest.com is a parenting publication focused on fatherhood and fathers who want to show up for themselves and their children. And what's so incredible about Daddy's Digest beyond its large community and following is the fact that we really go there and we talk about everything from your child coming out of the closet to a dad going to therapy for the first time, lessons learned from your father, patterns that you want to break. And then, of course, the fun stuff, too. Making sex more interesting with your partner in the middle of a pandemic when you're living in a, a small apartment with your children, learning from home and getting the first family pet. So for me, elevating and amplifying father's voices and what they're really going through is at the core and everything else that I'm building. The mission is how can one more father feel less alone, feel like he's in it with other people along the way. And I love it. So that's very interesting. I mean, my understanding is that this is a business that you actually bought, right? Is that correct? So you didn't start this business from scratch. What was it about this business that resonated with you? Because I mean, it's about dad parenting and I mean. Looking at what you've been involved in, it didn't seem as if there was that path. So it's like, what was it about that business that really appealed to you? And you thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to run with this. I'm passionate about this. Yeah. I'll tell you, there was a few reasons. So the reason Vic and I met, so Vic was the founder of Daddy's Digest. He still is the founder and still well and with us. So Vic is the founder and he had purchased my children's book, ABC Stay Home With Me, which I co-authored at the beginning of the pandemic to raise money for frontline workers. And he came to me and we had become friends. We were both an agency and he was like, so what do you think of this daddy's digest thing that I'm doing? And I was like, what is this? And as I started to look through it, my brain was exploding. And I was like, Vic, why haven't you posted very much recently? And he's like, oh, it's a lot. It's, there's a lot of submissions and there's a lot of dads and it's pretty heavy sometimes. And he loved it, but he had grown it to where he wanted to grow it. And he was looking for ways to move it forward without necessarily it having to be him. And I was like, let's partner, let's do this. I'm so excited for me as a mom and 
an educator, what I saw was my husband seeing me struggling with breastfeeding or seeing me struggling with my anxiety. I had a postpartum depression and him doing the searching online and him saying, Zoe, don't go into the vortex of Google. It's going to make you unwell. I'm going to do the research. And then he would be reading mom blogs. And so this was like, oh my gosh, this is not just beer and ball and farts. There's some real depth here. And there must be more men like my husband. And here they are. And I just wanted to serve good men who just want to keep learning and are on a journey of continuous improvement as individuals and as fathers. I just, I couldn't, there was no looking back. <laughs> I love that, man. And I, I feel the passion because I remember when I was telling people about Daisy Fest 16 years ago, and I was like, look, I think the culture needs a game plan. New immigrants, we don't know what it means to be brown. There's no playbook, yet you're forced to pick a side. North Indian, South Indian, light skin, dark skin, Hindi, Punjabi, all this stuff. And there's no place to just ask questions about who am I? And so I'm going to go do something about it and create a place, create a presence. And I remember the first wave of folks challenged not my ability to execute, but my purpose. Why do you yeah. need to be the Indian that leads people? What gives you the authority to, you're not even growing up in India. You grew up in Singapore. And as confident as I was, the early challenges for me was really stepping into that with confidence because the pushbacks wasn't just a dumb business plan. I can take that. You won't get money. I can take that. Nobody will show up if you put a show on. I can take that. But the questions around like, why do you think you need to represent was something that took me a while to settle in. I think that's a really good point. And I would say since acquiring the brand and in the place I'm at, I'm 32 and I have two small children and I'm sold my agency and acquired the second business. I'm trying to say, do I care what they think? And why do I care what they think? And how does this affect my audience and my community and the work I'm trying to do? Am I getting in the way of the work I'm trying to do? It's funny, your example makes perfect sense to me to teach. And at least you are Indian. I am a woman. I will never be a father. I mean, unless I decide I am not in, this is not my body and I should be in a man's body, but I am a mom and how dare I, this is not my place. And so what I say to that is you're right. It's not my place. I'm not the voice of the brand. The dads are. My job is to amplify these dads and say, what do you need? How can I help you? How can I help you develop? And the fact that I'm an outsider actually makes it easier for me to take in feedback because it kind of doesn't hurt as much, to be honest. Like, I, I almost feel because the difference, if I can compare my journey, it's not my baby. So I can be a little bit more harsh with it. Uh, it's not my baby. It's someone else's kid. So I can teach this brand how to read a lot more easily than I can teach my own kid how to read, so to speak. I do feel more like, this is what I'm doing. These are who I'm listening to. This is not who I'm listening to. You want to try and get in my way, that's fine. But I'm not really that worried anymore because you're not going to hurt my feelings. This is not about my feelings. I, I love that. I'm, I'm serving something bigger than myself. And that's, well, that's amazing. 
serving something bigger than yourself is the solution to put up with all this stuff. Yes. Because <laughs> if it isn't, then it gets too painful too quick. And the strength to push back on the world, to give you space to figure it out, comes from that attitude. So I love how you said that. And I just carry on with that theme then. So you've accepted that you need to make a difference and you're not impacted by what people say and feel and their thoughts or anything like that. But was it like that from the outset or did you actually find that it was a journey that you had to go through to actually reach that position where you're saying, you know what, I'm here to do something greater than myself and therefore I don't give a shit. But I do give a shit. I do. I can't deny that. I'm very human and vulnerable and emotional and basically gave birth to my second child a month after acquiring the brand. So yes, this first year has been about trying to understand this space and not rush into monetization as much as possible. Because I know that this project, so to speak, is a long game. And so teaching myself patience, which is not a gift of mine, is like having a child while acquiring a new brand is honestly, I recommend it because you can't move as fast as you want to. So you have to look at it. You have to look at it from different views. You can't follow through on something well because you're too tired. And I'm so grateful for Benjamin for those reasons. I mean, beyond the fact that he's just the perfect time human, but also because he forced me to slow down. Yeah, I love that. So that's a perfect segue into the next topic, which is let's get a little bit into your business. So folks that want to get into the world of media and publishing and content, there's this false ideation that I could just buy a theme, plug in a thing and start writing content people from Fiverr. I'm like, no. It takes strategy, it takes planning, there's quality, there's readership. So you've got this thing and Vic is like, here's how far I took it. Talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges in his model that you needed to rethink or tweak and how maybe that led to some early wins already for you. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting to acquire a brand that has almost a million followers but hasn't really been monetized. And to say, again, I'm a woman. I'm a Jewish woman. People are going to think lots of different things about me, depending on how I decide to monetize this. And I'm bringing up the Jewish thing because there's a stereotype about Jews being very greedy and money hungry. And I'm going to just speak right to it and say, if I had put ads up on the Daddy's Digest website in week one, I think I'd be contributing to that stereotype. So I was very careful in saying, I want to maintain the integrity of what Vic built as a Canadian immigrant father and make sure that I am letting these voices lead the way. Early wins have been really around trying to understand what allows us to get results. So working with small contracts and determining, I haven't gone after someone and said, give me $100,000 because I don't feel comfortable doing that to my readers. I want to do it slowly. I want to see how they feel. And I think the right partners will make themselves very available as it plays out. I have abundance and faith in that where they probably wouldn't have 
in my first venture, I was like, that must solve problem right now. But as I sort of ease up a little and say, I keep putting out good vibes into the world. I put out content that really adds value. This was my first time going to therapy. And this is what happened to my child after the session. My son came out as gay. What do I talk to him about? My child asked me about getting a tattoo. Like it is so, the content is such a gift, but you need to spend time on it and time building those relationships. And those were Vic's relationships. So I'm rambling, but I think the early wins have been in the relationships and saying, here are the brands that are only going to give a $10,000 experiment. Here are the brands that want to partner with you and figure it out with you long-term. And here are the brands that are just never going to understand that men can be anything but what they already are. And I'm kind of just categorizing and spending more time on the brands that are very aligned. Yes. I would say the biggest challenge is switching buckets from I'm talking to a sponsor now. Now I'm talking to a dad. Now I'm talking to a writer. Now I'm talking to a social media manager. Now I'm talking to a PR firm. Like it's a lot of context. So I don't know if I answered your question. Oh, you did. It's the multiple hat that people don't get ready for. No book, no YouTube video, no self-help conference can set you up for that, that switch that happens daily. You have to do the, you have to do the work and you can't be lazy. And even with those things being true, my content calendar doesn't look the way I would want it to. I wouldn't, the way my content calendar looks like now, I wouldn't be able to give that to a former client of mine. <laughs> do I like that? No. But is it the most important thing I do with my time right now? No. So I have to just regularly look at that priorities list and put on my my beats and get stuff done that that fulfills the mission and fulfills the small and achievable goals that I have in mind. Zoe, you said that when you ran into the business, you Vic had more than a million subscribers, followers, but it hadn't been monetized, which I'd love to go into a little bit more. But before I do that, you have quite a unique situation where you went into an existing business. So it's not as if you and Vic started a business together and you grow mature, you are you insane wavelength and things like that. What advice would you actually have for someone or what did you do in order to, that you and Vic became aligned and that you didn't have any of those challenges where you walk into an organization where he's already set the goal, he's set the pace, he's got a way of working and you coming in as another individual that got a say in the organization and can influence the direction, but how do you work together? How do you navigate that off and get to the point where you trust each other and you willing to actually do what the other will you take? You're willing to be led by that other person. I mean, at this point I own the company and it's integrity. So it's my decision, what I want to do. And Vic advises based on what he's learned and he's as the former owner, he's part of his contractual obligation to me is that he's available to discuss. So as of a certain date, this is when it changed hands. And with Vic and I, we're very good at setting boundaries. We have a ton of respect for each other. I don't think he would have given his baby to somebody else if he didn't think that person wouldn't. Like he sent his baby to school. He grew it and now it's ready to go to school and I'm the teacher. 
who's going to take it to university and then maybe somebody else will buy it. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, my, my end game right now is to say, I'm not setting the end game right now. I'm explore, I'm in explorer mode. And that's a luxury because I do have other people helping to pay my bills. So being very blunt here, I also have consulting work that helps to pay my bills. So I don't have to rush. And that's part of what having 10 years of experience working has afforded me the ability to get consulting clients so that I can take my time with Daddy's Digest. So sort of technically speaking, I'm a CEO of Daddy's Digest, but that's not really making a lot of money right now. Maybe a couple thousand a month, which is great. Don't get me wrong. But it's sort of more my side hustle than it is my full-time job based on the revenue distribution in my portfolio right now. And that's a, that's an important distinction because we talked about it with our last guest and it was a similar dilemma where we have this version where entrepreneurs need to be needle focused and you're at nine out of eight hours, 10 hours, you only do one thing. And I've been around the block long enough. That's not how it works. That's not how life works. You got to look at multiple facets of what makes you inspired. For some of us, it's a drip of money has a value proposition. For some of us, it's money first and side hustle. And the only way the side hustle will replace the primary hustle is money, right? And, or some of us, like the AC Fest is a 16 year old side hustle. It's never going to be my number one priority, but. Like the way I talk about it with my husband and also with Nick is that there's different buckets in your life that give you energy or steal energy. And what you want is to have more buckets that give you energy, right? So even if there's one bucket that maybe isn't your joy, but it serves a purpose. As long as you have the awareness about the bucket, this bucket is here because it paid my bills. And this is how many hours I'm able to give to that bucket. And then the rest of these buckets go to serving my greater mission, which is creating online courses for dads, creating communities for dads, working with content creators who are more brilliant than you are. So you can give that knowledge to dads, but it's okay. It doesn't have to be my only bucket. My husband doesn't have to be my only bucket. My children don't have to be my only bucket. My mother doesn't have to be my only bucket. I can have lots of things. I can be many different things to many different people, and I can still be one whole Zoe. I love that. I think that is the clip for this episode, man, because that's a beautiful way to to be constantly splitting you up. And I think nobody learns this stuff, and we tend to burn out before we figure it out. I love the fact that somebody's going to listen to this at the beginning of their journey, at the beginning of their first ever year one and go, huh, it's okay to split myself up and it's okay to have buckets of energy. I love, thank you. Yeah, well, that's a lot of years of, (laughs) which again is another reason I'm so passionate, right? Like how did I feel postpartum with Sabrina when, you know, I was having trouble breastfeeding and I had to take a step back from my agency and I felt out of control and I felt not needed or not wanted. It was like, go take your mat leave, Zoe. And then the baby was just screaming in my arms, not latching properly. You sort of have to deal with these things like, okay, I, I cannot be everything to everyone. I want to be needed. I want to, you just have to start. You don't have to. I have to. I had to figure it out and I have to continue figuring it out, which means for me that when a father can figure these things out in any way, shape or form, he will empower a woman and a child. That's, I look, I just deeply believe that the more that we can open men's minds to learning about tough conversations, 
what other people are going through, just this emotional intelligence work, frankly, and it will change the needle and it will help children thrive. And my life will be infinitely better because of what I've left behind. Listen, I could tell you from my own experience, uh, partly being South Asian and there's some gifts to it and some curses to it. And one of the curses, you don't talk about stuff. My dad never talked to me. My brother and I don't talk about stuff. Our friends don't talk about stuff because it's too vulnerable. It's too revealing. And when I started to do that, not only did my circle get smaller, because folks that didn't want to listen to that kind of open conversation decided not to be friends, and that's okay. But the folks that stuck around, it really helped me fix the home situation and the wife's relationship and how I looked at myself as dad. And for the longest time, I felt like a damn ATM machine. I was like, how could my value be only go make a dollar? So the family has a dollar to spend. I got to be more than that. And so I love what you're doing. And I think it's super important. And not to say it's more important than ever now. It's always been important, but I love the fact that you've made that your purpose. Yeah. It feels like it's found me and it's given me a calm about this business has been a gift to me because I do care about what I create and what I leave behind. So it's very hard when you, like, that's, I think it's the other thing I would say is that if something like teaching felt really bad and I listened because I can't, like once I realized I had to break up with a boy, I had to do it. Like it just had to be done right then. <laughs> I know, but if there's a little part of you that knows this isn't good for me, I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not putting, this is not a clear bucket in any way, shape, or form. Either figure out what bucket it is or get out. Yep. No one who's going to judge you is important. That's it. Yeah, no, I love that. Before we get into the last segment, talk to us about team building. Obviously, a company like this, it's not just you and, and you need some really smart people who care like you do to do something like this. What's the, what's the team like now? What was it like bringing people onto this project? Walk us through a little bit about team building. Oh, that's a great question. I'm at a place where it's really hard to build a team. I was just so burnt out after agency that I just needed a bit of a break. And that's probably the other reason why I've gone more slowly. So I'm going more slowly and I don't have a very big team right now. And I would say that my approach with this business is partners as opposed to team members. Of course, at some point I will need an official editor in chief, but I'm handling the daily editorial with the help of a part-time person and I'm building the funnel. I'm building the landing pages. I'm hustling and my husband helps. He's also a consultant. He's a dad. He's great. He basically looks at this something I write and he is, that sounds like a woman wrote it. I'm like, oh, fine, then fix it. <laughs> but I think we're just sort of in this place of, we know what's free paying our bills and we don't want to build this the wrong way and we don't want to build it with the wrong people. And it's very hard. I think this is such a, such a hard thing. It takes time to find who the people are that are on the same bus as you. And everyone has their own agenda and their own goals. And I'm willing to be on my bus and let people join my bus, but I'm not going to make it like a traditional job at this time. I love that. Answer your question. I love that. I love that because it is one of the mistakes 
so many founders do in the early days is trying to build a team too quickly, try to find people for the wrong reasons. I've learned so, through so many failed startups that hiring people to sort of take stuff off your plate too early is the worst thing you can do because you can well, never like also well. would make me feel like I would have to rush more because it would be like, I'm spending my money on this. I must get to blah, 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 blah. So for me, I'm like really fighting that instinct to be like that impatience thing is an issue for me. So I'm trying to, that voice that says go faster. I think speed and scale is vital only once you know exactly what you're doing. So test, test with as little money as possible. Then once you know what it is, that's when you ask for the big help. And I'm not quite there yet. And I'm not embarrassed about that. So I wish it was, I mean, part of me wishes it was going a bit faster because I'm impatient, but I'm not upset because I think in the long run, I'll be like, you didn't just jump on the thing that was the easiest. You jumped on the thing that was right. And that's a mistake I've made in the past. Love that. Absolutely love that. I'd like to go into the last segment, but I'm going to circle back to monetization. So you've got people out there that created businesses like this, right? In terms yeah. of very content heavy businesses and things like it. it's all about the content. Aha. Uh -huh. And you might not want to give you the specifics of your, what you plan to do, but I mean, what are the avenues for monetization that are open to people that are in that type of vertical? Yeah, that was my first three months of Daddy's Digest was, that's my husband. My first three months of Daddy's Digest was just like vomiting onto Miro boards, all the millions of things I could do, and then just staring at them and then coming up with different models, like building all the different financial models on Excel spreadsheets and being like, what if it was this price? What if it was this price? What if it was this price? So, you know, everything from the traditional media scenario of I'm going to sell this many articles and this many social media posts for this amount of dollars. I really feel like that's a little bit old and tired of an approach, not really giving me joy, although I'll do it to an extent. Okay, I'm going to add all these banner ads over my website. Again, fine. I'll do a little bit of it. I haven't done it thus far because, again, I wanted to redesign the website. I wanted to understand everything about my community. And then you go into membership, you go into online courses, you go into subscription boxes, you go into e-commerce. And again, what I had to do was look at what the competitors are doing, say, how do I feel about what these competitors are doing? Then talk to other dads. How, did, how do you feel about this brand? How do you feel about the way they've monetized? And you hear things like, oh, such and such, I won't throw anyone under the bus, but such and such has added so many banners since their banner ads, since their raise, that now I'd hate looking at that website. And then you say, okay, what about this one? Well, I would never buy that product. That's so cheesy. It's so lame. I'm not like, I'm not gonna be lame dad. So you just have to start. And then you say, okay, does that person's opinion actually matter to me? Like, oh, Zoe, why don't we just throw a bunch of product into a box and then start shipping it out to dads? I'm like, well, I don't know what products I'm gonna put in that box yet. And I don't feel comfortable doing that yet. So. That's another reason to go slow is I want it to be community first. I want it to be dad first. I think the audience first approach is vital. And I think that I could spend all day posting content, but I'm also being careful about how much content I share because I now like, I'm going to be very blunt on this podcast. Last month, I spent a 
under $2,000 and reach 2.7 million people. I know what I need to do to reach people with this brand. Am I going to unleash it to be 5 million tomorrow by just spending more? No. I'm going to be very careful about my money and my tests until I feel it's time. There's a couple of things that you've raised that I think is really so important. When we go out on our own, some people take the approach, I'm just going to throw everything and see what sticks against the wall and that's the path that I'm going to go. What you essentially saying is, yes, you're aware of all the things that you can throw up against the wall, but what's more important to you is does what you propose resonate with you, support your brand and actually make it feel that, what I'm happy with this decision that I've actually made and that's the path that I want to go. And I think that's a luxury that you have and a little maturity that you have that some people don't necessarily have. I appreciate that. Thank you. And have I tried emailing people and gotten no responses? Absolutely. Did I, did the thing that I thought was right turn out to be wrong? Yes. But also I didn't throw everything into that one thing. Yeah. I said, okay, I'm going to experiment with these five brands, with this email and with this offer, what's going to happen? And then no one responds. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going to try again. Here are the tweaks. You just track it. You figure it out. And you watch. It's a science experiment until it's time to throw more money at it. And then it becomes an empire. Yes. Yes. And today we recorded that statement live on the Year On podcast, February 14th, that we're having an empire in the making. And we're going to use this song clip as an NFT that's purchasable exclusively. I'm just kidding. I can only dream of such a When Zoe goes IPO, we have the original clip that we will NFT. And by that time, the market will pick it up. This is the first statement, like the, the first tweet that went out from Jack sold for like millions. Because That would be lovely. I would just, that would just, what? It would be lovely. And... I know from listening to all these founders who have been on the other side of that IPO or whatever, it, it can't be everything. It just can't. I gotta get dressed up in red on Valentine's Day and put balloons and write in crayons on the window. I love you. Happy Valentine's Day because I'm going to look back and I'm not going to remember today as the day I emailed company one, two, three, four, five. I'm going to remember today as the day that Sabrina gave her brother a Valentine's Day balloon and it was his first Valentine's Day. So I'm going to stay grounded and I'm going to keep at it and I'm going to live my life. I love that. I love that. Just to close it off, Dion, unless you have a question. I, I can't. How do you follow up with, with a question after that? I, I, I have one last question. Okay. Because in my household, there's, there is a little boy and a little girl and both I think it benefit from listening to your words of wisdom, because I think what I love about not just your business model, but I love your attitude that, that you don't have to pick a purpose because of a gender or a color or a nationality. You could solve any problem if you really give a shit about that problem. And you could be a smart woman taking on men's problem. I could be a South Asian by birth who can take on the South Asian market. I'm not a homeschooling mom building a company for homeschooling moms. The idea is bigger. The purpose is bigger than who we are as an individual. So if you could speak to my kids or let alone your kids in five years from now, and they're like, man, I have an idea, but I'm scared to jump in and do it because I don't fit the look and feel of that solution. 
what would you say? I would say just your expectations. Manage your own expectations. It's not going to be a rocket ship on day 90. Don't measure yourself against other people's success because you don't know what their story is or what they've done or who they've met or who they knew. I would also say good PR is very good at making you think other people are better off than they are. So be skeptical. I would say you have to go to sleep with yourself at the end of the day. So if it doesn't feel good in your heart and there's anxiety and there's teeth clenching and there's butterflies in your tummy in a bad way, listen to your body, listen to your mind. And I guess the last thing I would say is you can't do everything yourself. You have to reach out for help. You have to ask other people. Don't come up with something in a vacuum and never ask for feedback with a grain of salt. Love it. I love it. Thank you, Zoe, for being on this call with us. So much knowledge bombs. I have a ton of notes I've taken with circles and stuff to put into show notes, but we appreciate your time and all the knowledge bombs. Thank you for having me. It was a really good exercise for me to think about it too. And I'm going to drop something that I'm like manifesting, which is me, Dragon's Den or Shark Tank, and like a tribe of dads behind me. And I say, hi, I'm Zoe, and I'm from Daddy's Digest. And then all the men behind me say, and we're some of the dads. And then we go into our pitch and our proof of concept and the future we're creating for emotionally intelligent, hounded fathers and the impact that has on children. Goosebumps. Let's make it happen. Manifest it. Put it out there. It's going to happen, Zoe. It's going to happen. It's Thank absolutely going to happen. And yeah, you can just hear the conviction that you've got without a shadow of a doubt. It's going to be there. And I want you to, I'm down in, in the UK, so you need to ping me a message and say, Dion, tonight I'm on Dragon's Dead. And I'm going to watch that. It's going to happen. And you know what I'm going to say? It's okay if it's in five years. I'm not in a hurry. I'm, in a, I'm here to enjoy the journey and make a difference. And it doesn't have to happen in five minutes. It's not gonna go away if it's right. Year One is hosted by Dion Kloppers and Sathish Bala and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. It is engineered by BlueMex. For more Year One content, subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit BlueMex.io to join us on Discord.